The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. 1 John chapter number 4. We're going to be looking at several verses in chapter 3 and 4, but I really want to hone in this morning on just two verses, verses number 10 and verses number 11. The Bible says, herein is love. Just a minute ago at the end of the video, it says, what is love? Well, John here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to tell us, herein is love. This is what love is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. In a little bit in our sermon, we're going to unpack that word propitiation and really see what that word means. Verse number 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into our message this morning entitled True Love. Father, thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for the amazing love that you have given to us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open that up in our hearts this morning. And Lord, I also pray if there's somebody here that has never experienced that love, Lord, that today would be the first time on this Valentine's Day that they get to experience your love in a real way and that you would save their soul. Lord, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Everyone in today's society kind of has their own idea of what love is, don't they? I mean, you look at like the Disney movies or the fairy tale movies and they all have their idea. It seems like all you have to do is just wait for Mr. and Mrs. Wright and they'll fall out of the sky for you or you'll have to go off on some epic quest and commit this epic deed and then you'll win your true love's heart. And if you found the right one, if you have found true love, the rest of your life is going to be rose petals and Disney songs and love will be an open door and you'll feel the love tonight and it's all going to be grand. But most of us know that's not reality, right? I mean, Disney failed to mention that Prince Charming leaves his dirty laundry everywhere and Sleeping Beauty has really bad morning breath. I mean, think about it. She was under that spell for a long time, guys. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, sometimes when my wife and I are talking first thing in the morning, we talk and we cover up our faces because we're like, we do not want to smell what is coming out of our mouths right now. No, the, the, whole, the whole fairy tale idea, we, we all know it's not real. It's, it's, it's fake. It's made up. Um, but then the world also has their version of love. And the world kind of tells us their version of love is, man, whatever you love yourself and whatever makes you feel good, whatever is love to you, then that's, that's love for you. Whatever feels good, whatever makes you feel right, that's what love is. So now our own comfort, our own feelings have become the standard for what love is. But if you've been married or if you've been in a relationship, you know oftentimes love is in spite of our feelings, not because of our feelings. And so that can't be the proper definition because ultimately that's just still going to leave us wanting something more. That's not going to satisfy our hearts. It's not going to keep, it's not going to fill our hearts with true and lasting love. There are things uh, which we call love that people do all the time. And as you study out the scripture, you'll see there's several different types of love. There's eros, which is based on a physical attraction. There's phileo, which is a brotherly love, which is like, hey, you love me, I'm going to love you back. But then the Bible also talks about what is called agape love, which we're going to look at this morning. We're going to be calling true love based off of 1 John 4. This is the type of love that points to God. It's a supernatural kind of love. It's not a love that we can produce as ourselves this morning. It is a supernatural, sacrificial type of love. The Bible tells us what love is in 1 John 4.10. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. You see, true love originates from God. Here in his love, not that we love, not, not our definition, not our own feelings or our own actions. That's not love. Here in his love, God loved us and sent his son to be 
the propitiation for our sins. True love originates from God, and then true love for others grows out of God's love for us. True love, agape love, can only be explained by the supernatural work of God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us a wonderful picture of this. In Matthew 5, he says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Not just love people that are different. Not just love people that have a different personality. You don't necessarily see eye to eye. No, love your enemies. He goes on and says, Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He says in verse 46 of Matthew 5, For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Even the publicans and the sinners do the same. Jesus is telling us that, man, even a person who doesn't know Christ can love somebody that can love them back. True love, agape love, the love that God shows us, loves our enemies. It loves when it maybe isn't the normal thing to do. It's not what our feelings want us to do. It's a love that expects nothing in return. It's a love that's free from wrong motives. It's pure. It's selfless. It's freely given to those who are hurting you, to those who would be your enemy, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. And if I could be transparent with you, I long to love like that. I long for that kind of agape love, that true love, to be the normal in my marriage. But oftentimes my own feelings, what I feel like, get in the way. I long for that to be the type of love that's normal among Christians, normal in our church. This type of love that points others to Jesus, that makes other people look and go, man, there's something, there's something different about that person. They're loving when it doesn't make sense for them to love. It's a supernatural kind of love. There's nothing more thrilling than experiencing the love of God so deeply that it spills over into all of our relationships. And that's what our text this morning is all about, being so deeply transformed by the love of God within that the love of God flows without. Let's look at it here this morning. First John chapter number 3. I know just a minute ago we read uh, chapter 4, verse 10, 11, but let's back it up a little bit and look at chapter 3 of 1 John and verse number 23. John says, and this is his commandment. So this is God's commandment. This is John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling us this is a command from God. This is a big deal. This is his commandment that you should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. Which leads us to our first thought this morning. That's simply this, the command to love. The command to love. God has commanded us to love others with the kind of love that he has loved us with. The command to love. Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give unto you. I'm going to give you a new commandment now, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Not a brotherly love, not a love that's based on physical desire. No, this is a love that is based on selflessness. This is a love that's based on getting nothing in return. Love that's based on how Jesus loves us. A new commandment I give it unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one towards another. And if we could just be honest for a moment, our world today is filled with hate. Our world today does not love those that are different, if we're just to be honest with you. I recently saw a news article. Um, I was reading it online. It was about a person, I, I can't remember if they were in, in a classroom or from a coffee shop. They're about a college-age person. And on the back of this person's laptop, they had their laptop up, on the back was a sticker promoting a certain presidential candidate. 
And somebody else in the same room took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter and said, if I get so many retweets, I'm going to bash this person's computer. Filled with hate for someone they don't even know just because of a difference. Of course, it goes viral. It goes so viral that the, per- the girl in the picture sees it, and of course she freaks out, and she goes off on the guy, and it becomes this big, huge thing, and here we are talking about it hundreds of miles away. Our world is so filled with hate, and it's starving for real love, but it has no clue how to find it. In about 20 or 30 minutes, we're all going to walk out of these doors into a world that is dying for love and settling for so much less. Settling for so much less. God has commanded us to share his love. It's the only love that can actually satisfy and change a human heart. It's selfless love. It's unconditional love. It's love that's given regardless of how I get treated or regardless of how it makes me feel. It's really easy for me to love somebody when it makes me feel good. But God has commanded us to share his love, this selfless love, this love that's given with nothing, no thought of anything in return. Now you may be thinking, share the same unconditional, sacrificial, life-giving love that Jesus has. Nick, I can't do that. And you're right, we can't. We can't. Let's, let's, let's look back at verse number 10, 1 John four ten. I want to really just zone in on this one phrase. Here in his love, not that we loved. So when John is giving us a definition of love, he's bringing up the fact that true love, the essence of true love, does not originate in our hearts. Which leads us to our second thought this morning. While we have been given a command to love, we have to face our own inability to love. We cannot do it. True love, the essence of what true agape love is, does not originate in our hearts. Here in his love, not that we love God. Human beings are not the definition of love. God is. Love doesn't begin in us. It begins with God. Mankind's sinful nature has made it impossible for us to perfectly demonstrate unconditional love. Our sin nature has, has ruined it. We cannot perfectly demonstrate unconditional love. We have no ability to. Without God's perfect love, loving others is impossible due to our sin nature. So often we'll demonstrate love because of the way it makes us feel. Or because I know if I love this person, they're going to love me back. And so really, the, the, the goal isn't to love the other person. The goal is to get something in return, to get a feeling in return. Maybe I, I, I want to love somebody so people can look at Nick and be like, man, Nick, you're a loving guy. And so really, my, my goal in that moment is to make myself look good, not to truly selfishly love. Why? Because, because sin has ruined it. Sin has kept us from truly loving God. Apart from Christ, we cannot love. We have to be faced with our own an ability to love. Now, again, there are things that people do that we call love, whether they're based on physical desire or natural affections. But there's not necessarily anything, there's nothing supernatural about brotherly love. I'll love you, you love me back. Eros, that physical desire that drives love, there's, there's nothing supernatural about that. These aren't signs that point back to God living in us. True, unconditional, completely sacrificial love does not originate in man's heart. In fact, if you go to Mark chapter number 7, Jesus gives us a pretty grim picture about what comes from a man's heart. Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of man, so he's going to tell us, this is what comes out of man's heart, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within. Man, is it any wonder that Paul said, In me dwells no good thing our own inability to love. Mankind has been ruined by our sin nature. Even my one-year-old son, (laughs) 
has a pretty big sin nature. If any of you have raised toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. The other day, we were on our way to a doctor's appointment, and we were going to drop Nicholas off at his grandmother's house. And so I pull up to the curb. Sarah, my wife, she gets out. She's walking Nicholas up the steps. And there's several steps that lead up to the porch at grandma's house, and there's her front door. And so they're walking up the steps, and every step he takes, he's looking back at dad. And you can see, some, his, the gears are turning in his little head, and he takes another step up and looks back, and he's a little more concerned now. He takes another step up, and he looks back. And by the time he gets to the top of the stairs, it clicks in his head. Dad's not coming. That means I'm getting left. <laughs> and by the time he gets to that front door, he's doing the whole, he's throwing a fit. He's like getting all stiff because he doesn't want to go, and then you try and pick him up, and he just turns into a wet noodle, and he's fighting, and he's kicking, and he's screaming, right? So we drop him off at Grandma's. We get in the car. We go. What we found out later was literally the moment Sarah closed the door, he stops crying, looks up at grandma and goes, and it goes right back on his way. Like we did not teach our our child to manipulate us like that. But he has this sin nature. It's this sin nature that prevents all of us from loving God. And, and we, 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 look, we look at a child and it's, it's kind of funny, but the truth is we all have that same manipulative sin nature within us that likes to work things in our favor, that likes to love when we can get something in return, or love when it works out for our advantage, or love when it makes us look good. Our sin nature has kept us from loving God. Natural love, it has its conditions. It has its limits. So on the one hand, we've been given this command to love with God's love, love unconditionally, love sacrificially, love with nothing in return. On the flip side, we have to be faced with our own inability to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't love with God's love. But fortunately, God did not just give us this command and say, okay, thumbs up, good luck. Now, here in our passage in 1 John chapter 4, John gives us a beautiful picture, a beautiful demonstration, the greatest act of love that history of mankind has ever seen. Look at the last part of 1 John 4.10. He says, here in his love, not that we love God, so okay, we see true love does not originate from our heart, it originates from God. Get this, verse 10. Here in his love, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This leads us to our next thought. Christ's perfect demonstration of true love. Christ's perfect demonstration of love. A few verses earlier it says, God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. What John means here when he says, ye ought to love God. Or excuse me, God is love. What he's saying here is, that God is love like heat is fire. Like light is from the sun. So love belongs to God's nature. It's woven, into who, it's woven into being God. God is love. It's not as though God is capable of expressing acts of love, although he is. It's God is literally the essence of love. God is love. In John's mind, so God is, he is in essence love. God is love. Now in John's mind, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the greatest manifestation of God's love is that God sent his son. Look at in verse number nine. It says, in this was manifested, in this was shown the love of God towards us because God sent his only begotten son into the world. Verse 10, here in his love that God sent his son. So in these two verses, John says twice, the greatest demonstration of God's love is that he sent his son for us. Now get this. The purpose of God sending his son was to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, what does that word propitiation mean? That's a big word. I've never heard anybody use that word before, Pastor Nick. What does that mean? Propitiation means that Jesus came to bear the punishment for our sins. Jesus satisfied the just wrath of a righteous God towards 
our sin. He removed the wrath of God from us. Let that sink in for a moment. God, Jesus Christ, removed the wrath of God. And it wasn't like God was in heaven throwing a temper tantrum. No, we got what we had. It was coming to us. It was coming to us. It was just. It was right. We deserved it because of our sin nature. This means that God's love sent his son to bear God's just penalty. God's love sent his son to take away God's wrath. God is saying, the greatest manifestation of my love is my unilateral action to satisfy my own wrath. In one action, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God for us. Jesus said, okay, I will take your place. I will let, I will let God punish me for your sin. And then in return, I'm going to give you my righteousness. So we get credit for Jesus' perfect life, right? And then Jesus says, I'll take the punishment for your sin. The greatest demonstration of love, 1 John 4, 10, this is love that God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. 1 John 3, 16, hereby we perceive or we become aware of the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Now let me ask us this. At Ambassador, we talk about this a lot. And sometimes I have to ask my own heart, have we gotten over God's love for us? Is it old hat? Is this amazing act of love? Are we so, do, do we, have, we, have we allowed our hearts to get used to it? Or do our hearts leap for joy within us every time we hear about it? God gave us his son. When was the last time that you were so overwhelmed with what God did for you? When was the last time you just stopped and said, wow, the God of the universe, the God who's so powerful, he spoke the world into existence, loves me, and he cares for me, and he died for me. This isn't something we should ever get beyond. It's not like we move past it onto other things. No, we go deeper into God's love. God loves you. I know sometimes in America we have so many things vying for our attention. It's like to actually stop and let this sink in. Sometimes it's difficult because our minds are trained to be on to something new every so many seconds and to just stop and soak it in. It's, it's hard to do. But let me encourage you, stop and soak it in. Let it sink in what God has done for you. His um, amazing love. Sometimes we just get so used to hearing with it. I just, I, I fear because our lives are so good in America, it's just like, it's, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But let the truth of God's love sink in and radically change your heart. Maybe you're here today, and this is the first time you've ever been to church. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard that God loves you. And you're sitting here, and you're like, I didn't know God died for my sins. Let me encourage you, today can be the day you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you can experience his love for the rest of your life. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants to be the propitiation for your sins. He wants to satisfy God's wrath for you. He loves you that much. The ultimate demonstration of love throughout the entire history of mankind was Christ's death on the cross. The ultimate demonstration of true agape love was Christ's death on the cross. Now let's bring this thing full circle. 1 John, we looked at verse number 10. Now let's really dive into verse number 11. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, so because of God's amazing love for us, we ought also to love one another. What's it look like on a street level when we are not only experiencing God's love, 
we are loving with God's love? What's it look like on a street level? Let's look at our expression of Christ's love. Our expression of Christ's love. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 11 says, We ought also to love one another. When John says we ought, to love, we ought to love one another, he means we ought to love one another like a fish ought to swim in water, like a bird ought to fly in the sky, like we ought to breathe air, like a lemon ought to be sour. Christians ought to love with God's love. It's now become part of who we are. Get this, God is love. Okay, we established that. God is love. But now once a person places their faith in Christ, once they become saved, once they become a Christian, God is now in them. And because God is love, God's love is now in you. It's now part of who we are in Christ. It's not like we have to go out and try to imitate God's love. It's not imitation. It's a realization that God's love is now beating in my soul. God's seed is now in us. God's spirit is now in us. God's nature is now in us. And God's love is now being perfected in us. The very same love that sent Jesus to the cross the very same love that allowed Jesus to say, I'll die for you. For the Christian, it's now pulsing in your soul. It's now part of who you are. It's now part of you in your nature because God is in you. We ought to love one another just like we ought to breathe air. It's a part of who we are. God's love. Beloved, let us love one another for God is of love and everyone that loveth with true agape love is born of God. Salvation is the act of the Holy Spirit connecting our dead, selfish heart with God's living, loving heart so that his life becomes our life and his love now becomes our love. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, that sounds scary. Loving with this unconditional love, loving with this sacrificial love, that sounds scary, that's intimidating. What, all, all these questions start running through my mind. What if I get taken advantage of? What if they don't love me back? What about this? What about that? All these conditions start flooding to our mind, but can I say this? Jesus met the condition. Jesus met the condition. We now have his love inside of us. I want to demonstrate this. I want to illustrate this with some people. So I'm going to call, I talked to a few of you, some of you, I'm just going to call you out and put you on the spot. So I'm going to ask Alex, He's going to come up on the platform. He's going to help me here. Rip, I asked Rip. Rip's going to come up and help me on the platform. Eddie, would you be willing to come up on the platform? And Dewey, would you be willing? Thank you, sir. You guys, just come, come right on up. Come right on up. Come on, guys. Get in the light. It's okay. You guys all look sharp. Look at you guys wearing red for Valentine's Day. Okay, so I, Alex, I want you to stand right here, and then I want Eddie, Rip, and Dewey to stand up and line up right here. All right? So, God has called me, he has commanded me to love, and he has given me his love. It's in me. Now, I can look at Eddie, and I can, Eddie, can you make a judgmental face? Yeah, whoa, wow, he's, he's really good at that. Okay, I can look at Eddie and be like, I'm afraid to love, what if he judges me? I, I, I love unconditionally, love no matter what he does in return. He, what if he judges me? I'm scared. This is the beauty. Alex, I want you to stand right here in front of Eddie. Okay, Alex, you get to be Jesus today, all right? Face me. Okay, Alex, okay, Alex is here. I'm afraid to love Eddie, but here's the deal. Jesus is here loving me unconditionally in return. I don't have to be scared of loving Eddie because I have Jesus right here pouring out his love to me. Now we go over to Rip. Rip's a successful guy. I could be a little intimidated. Love Rip? I'm gonna love Rip. I don't have anything to offer Rip. Come on now. But here's the deal. Jesus is right here loving me so I can unconditionally, now I'm free to love Rip. Come stand right here, Alex. Okay, I can look at Dewey. Dewey's intimidating. He's a big guy. 
I'm scared of him. My son runs in fear of Dewey. Here's the deal. I am free. I am free to unconditionally love Dewey because Jesus is here loving me in return. It doesn't matter if somebody's different. It doesn't matter if somebody's judgmental. It doesn't matter if I'm intimidated by them. Why? Because Jesus is here loving me. He is standing in between me and them, loving me in return with his unconditional love. Now, here's where my illustration falls apart. Because Alex is not omnipresent, and Jesus is. Okay? Alex, come stand right here. Not only is Jesus here loving me, Jesus is inside of me loving them. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Thanks, guys. You can go ahead and be seated. Let's give these guys a round of applause. They did a great job. I do not have to be afraid of sacrificially loving somebody else because Jesus is already sacrificially loving me. Jesus is standing in their place, loving me unconditionally. And because I'm experiencing his unconditional love, I am free to give that love out. Here's the truth. Because Christ's love will never fail, I don't ever have to worry. Because Christ's love will never fail, we don't have to worry. The condition's been met. We can give this unconditional love because, one, we have it, and two, we're getting it. We are free to love. Jesus said in John 17, 26, he was praying when he said this, so he's talking to God his Father. Picture this in your head. Jesus praying, and he says, I have declared unto them thy name. So he's telling God, God, I've declared unto them your name, and I will keep declaring it. I'll declare it. He says that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be not with them, may be in them, and I in them. The more we know God, the more we're going to realize his love is in us. And the more we experience it, the more we think about it, the more we meditate on it, the more we realize how loved we are by God, it then begins to overflow in our own life. And it's going to overflow in our marriage. And it's going to overflow to our children. And it's going to overflow to our connection group. And it's going to overflow to people who are very different than us. It's going to overflow to people who you really don't like at your workplace. Not because you're some great, you know, varsity Christian, but because it's God's love flowing out of your life. The same love that God has for Jesus is in those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ. Now, real practical, I want to say, share a few things. What does this look like on a street level? Okay, great, God's love is overflowing in my life. What is that going to look like functionally? There's lots of passages throughout the New Testament that talk about this. There's several, though. There's several right here in uh, 1 John 3 and 4. So we're going to stick to those just for sake of time this morning. But I want you to notice 1 John 3, 16b. 1 John 3, 16b. Hereby we perceive, we're, we're become aware, we know the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We established that. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So when God's supernatural love is just overflowing in our life, when we are loving with God's love, we are going to be willing to sacrifice for others. Now, in 2016, I don't know about you, but I've never gotten a phone call from somebody that says, hey, I'm about to die. Would you come do that for me? So lay down your life for the brethren. You said that's not super practical. However, we ought to be willing to maybe die to ourselves. Die to what I want. Sweetheart, I would really like to just sit on the couch and veg for a while. But the love of Christ may be saying, go wash the dishes. (laughs) We ought to be willing to sacrifice real sacrifice, and not, not just getting up off the couch for five minutes. I mean, a real sacrifice. We ought to be willing to sacrifice for others. And when Christ's love is flowing through us, we will be. It's not like I have to try. When Christ's love is flowing through me, it, it, won't, be, it won't even really be a sacrifice because it's God's love flowing through me. Next we see in 1 John three seventeen, But whoso hath this world's goods, so you have resources, you have this world's goods, you have money, you have finances, you have resources, you have possessions, 
you're well off, you're not, you're not living from paycheck to paycheck, you're not stressing out. Whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need, okay, and get this, shutteth up his bowels of compassion. You, you know your, your Christian brother has a need, you can meet that need, but you make the decision not to. What's the rest of the verse say? How, how's the love of God dwell in him? Man, when Christ's love is just bounding in our life, we're going to be willing to help meet other people's needs. We're going to demonstrate compassion. We're going to demonstrate compassion. When God's love is overflowing us, next we see that our love goes beyond lip service. Look at verse number 18 of 1 John 3. My little children, let us love not in word. Let us love, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our love's going to go beyond lip service, and let's face it, we're good at talking. <laughs> we're good at giving lip service. I know all of us are thinking right now, that person who does that to us, but let's face it, we've all done that to other people. But when God's love is flowing through us, one of the indicators of that is, I'm going to mean it. When I love somebody, it's going to be real. I'm going to love them not just with what I say, but with what I do. It goes beyond lip service. It's in deed and in truth, because it's not based on my feelings. See, oftentimes, the Holy Spirit is inside of me, and he's going to be, his love is going to be trying to reach out to a person, and my feelings say no. <laughs> What we need to do is just obey in faith and then let our feelings catch up. Our love will go beyond just lip service. And then the last indicator I want to look at this morning is in chapter 4, verse number 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So last we see, we will not fear those who are different. That's a big one these days. But when God's love is flowing through us, just because somebody looks different, or they act different, or they believe different, or they smell different, we can still love them. Because it's not us, it's God's love. The same love that sent Jesus to the cross is now residing in us. And it wants to reach out to those around us. Christ has met every condition we need to supernaturally love those in our lives. To love with agape love. Christ has done everything. I read a uh, quote in a sermon. I'm going to read it to you before we conclude. It says this, When we are so stunned by the glory of his suffering, so stunned, so overwhelmed, so in awe of what God has done, when we are so stunned by the glory of his suffering and his love for us, it will be our crown and treasure. We'll delight in it. We will love to suffer with him, to bring life to this world, and love each other and those outside with a distinct supernatural love. The more we become aware and realize how much God loves us, and the more we experience that love, the more it's just going to overflow in our life to those around us. And sacrificing for somebody isn't really even a sacrifice anymore because it's just so driven by this love, this supernatural agape love that makes the world scratch their head and go, huh? Here in his love, not that we loved, but that God loved Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.